Hello, and thank you for joining What Leaders Need Now. I'm Andrea Chilcote, and I'm joined by Laura Rockefort. We are the co-founders of What Leaders Need Now. In our last episodes, we talked about the first of three leadership qualities leaders need now, compassion. The importance of extending compassion to others we lead, as well as practicing self-compassion. Today, we'll be discussing the second of the three qualities, courage. Let's get started. To prepare for this podcast, we considered real-life stories of courage, and I'll start with a personal reflection of courage. Years ago, I was one of the 10% who found myself unemployed from a job that didn't value me. The value I contributed was my introduction of new best practices and courageous vulnerability. I was both surprised and grateful that I was one of the 10% chosen to be let go. I'd wanted to leave, but I didn't have a sense of what would be coming next. Laura, as I recall that story, you no sooner lost that job when an opportunity to come back to an organization to live more in accordance with your principles and values was available. Weren't you hired within two days of your layoff? Mm-hmm. And, yes. <laughs> yes. And you, you said then you were re- rewarded and respected for your own personal transformation. What was your courageous act and what was your personal transformation? Yeah, really, it was I said yes right away to a meeting with the new chief talent officer for a company that I had worked for in the past to join her senior leadership team. And You know, ironically, like you said, it was scheduled the day after I was told my job would be eliminated. And our conversation was genuine, honest, forthright. And we both knew that our team dynamic would be really good together. And she offered me the job right on the spot. And I said, yes. And at the moment, it felt serendipitous. And I knew this was my moment to lean in and be a leader who would show up consistently with my voice and live my values. And I was rewarded for completely being myself consistently, welcomed back as a powerful change agent. And we did make an incredible team. She left the company after a couple of years. And then soon after she left, I started my own company. And I think that whole experience was a compelling force for change and courage in my life. Wow. You know, your story has a parallel to one that one of my clients submitted for this podcast, and I'm going to just read it. Here we go. I spent 14 years at an employer that had been very good to me and for my career development. I advanced in the company with a promotion every couple of years so that I ultimately was the head of the client services team reporting to the CEO and overseeing a department of 37 relationship managers. It was, for a time, challenging and satisfying and invigorating, although I had always, throughout my career, felt like there was something else out there. My husband once remarked to me after about 15 years of marriage, and perhaps in frustration, you've never been happy in any job for as long as I've known you. I tried to dispute his observation, but could only do so (laughs) half-heartedly and unconvincingly. (laughs) At around the 12-year mark, at my former employer and halfway into my tenure as the head of client services, the pressure of my role began to take its its toll. The job no longer felt satisfying and I began feeling only challenged. 
and not in the way where hard work, victories, and accomplishments are celebrated, but in the relentless 14 and 16 hour days kind of challenging where there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Furthermore, several very painful things happened that made it really, really difficult to summon enthusiasm and passion for the work and company. That's an all too common experience, isn't it? Where we find ourselves sticking in there for a variety of reasons, but really feeling unfulfilled. I had that thought when I read this, this is not just a single experience. Mm -hmm. We hear it so often. Mm -hmm. So continuing her story, she says, working with my coach created aha moment upon aha moment. And I began to see that my situation was untenable. I was wearing a costume and a mask every day in my role, playing a role in someone else's drama instead of honoring my authentic self and working according to my own values. Mm -hmm. Together, my husband and I made a decision that I would resign my position, even though I did not have a plan for what was next. So I gave my two weeks notice to my employer. It's worth noting that my CEO wasn't surprised mm -hmm. and then threw myself off the moving treadmill. Now, just two years later, I'm earning decent wages as a solopreneur collaborating with another solopreneur to create and launch a new initiative that is being funded by an external source, developing a podcast, planning for a regular newsletter, building a CRM database, and getting ready to collaborate with another solopreneur to hire a shared assistant. I'm busy all the time and challenged and tired and have never been happier. People call me brave or courageous, but I don't feel any of those things. So it's a little ironic that this story is being used for discussion about courage. Rather, leaving that job was the only thing I could do. It was a matter of self-preservation. Mm. Wow. Laura, I talk about the idea that when we're faced with adversity, we have three choices. We can endure, avoid, or transform. To me, this, this client could have chosen any of the three. And while she says it didn't feel like a courageous choice at all, rather it was a necessity, it was transformational. Mm -hmm. And research continues to show us that when we make a courageous act, it is personally transformational. And you have another story where a leader struggling with this endure, avoid, transform conundrum. And this man's struggling to find courage. And if you'll share his story, maybe we can talk about what we as coaches might offer him. I just have to say, too, to the story that you just offered, it is so interesting that we don't see ourselves as being courageous when we're being transformational. <laughs> I just think that is an amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. So I'll share Jim's story. Um, so we'll call him Jim. He's a client. We'll just kind of call him Jim. He's bright, he's engaged, he's talented. He's worked really hard in his field for 15 years. He's been high, both highly successful in his past roles, but he's also lost confidence through what he calls his significant and enduring failures. And he's now leading a small team in a new organization where in his short tenure, he isn't seeing the results he hoped he would achieve. And there's reasons for that. They include his lack of confidence and the organization's 
really aggressive short-term goals. Laura, I have to interrupt you just a moment with that phrase, significant and enduring failures. Is that a statement of reality or is that hyperbole? Good, good catch. Both, really. Um, they might have been significant and enduring for him, but they weren't career-ending failures. What he's describing are things that happened early in his career that he learned from, you know, the things that really embarrass and humiliating us, humiliate us, like getting a key assignment in late or sleeping in and missing an important meeting. The truth is those were transformational learning experiences and not significant and enduring failures, as he calls them. And, you know, just digging into his story more, he, his team, his executive team has confidence in him. He's recently been asked to take on a new senior leadership role that is going to bring key talent across several entities together to increase and build a singular focus. And this means that Jim's going to have more responsibility for the development and engagement of his much larger team. He says he wants the job, and he's even the one that recommended creating it. But during our most recent coaching call, he spent the time going back and forth about why he should take the job and why he shouldn't take the job for reasons that were both legitimate. You know, he doesn't have the leadership experience at that level. He's new to the organization. People with more history might be able to do the job or be more qualified than him. And also for reasons that showed a lack of courage and confidence. And he even talked about looking for another job. And I've known Jim for a long time, and this is a pattern. When the pressure's on, his first inclination is to go. It sounds like he opts for avoid in our model of avoid, endure, or transform. Yes, he always considers it. And with support, he sometimes opts for transformation. I can point to some examples of that. But he has avoided taking on senior leadership roles in previous jobs. And he once left hoping that the next job would provide the impetus to soar to the next level, only to fear that failure again. And in some cases, to your model, Andrea, he stayed enduring the, the current situation by telling himself that he's not enough to go to the next level, that somebody else is. And we know that the courageous choice, choice is transformation. And I've asked myself as his coach, what can help Jim transform in a way that will help him to speak honestly and openly about who he is and share what he's feeling and integrate his experience, both the good and bad, so he can step into being the leader that he most wants to become. What did you conclude? Well, you and I both know that at times our clients can't acknowledge their own success, even if, when it's right before their eyes. So I simply asked him to tell me about some things that he had lacked confidence in in the past and how he transformed those. Was he able to do that? Yeah, we're working with some tangible examples, you know, from public speaking to speaking truth to power. And I believe he can use those experiences to fuel his confidence in this situation. Acknowledgement is one of the key things, one of the key practices I talk about in my book. And you're wise to do that. And I would also add that his leaders are acknowledging him by offering him this role. And, you know, as a coach, I tend to be a little blunt about these things. It's like, what, what is it 
that they see in you, Jim, that you're not seeing in yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great blunt question. So one of the messages that I hope to convey about leadership courage in my book, What Leaders Need Now, is the awesome obligation and responsibility leaders with positional power have to act with courage. Now, I'm not diminishing the courage that every person puts forth every day. I just simply know that in organizations, all things are not equal. There are still things that will not change unless leaders who wield power are willing to make the tough decisions that represent and support change. So true, Andrea. I lived that firsthand about 20, more than 20 years ago, and you were there at the time that I was living this. You and I were meeting for the, you know, maybe it met a few years before this, but in 2000, during the dot-com burst, I was working for Cox Communications, and it was transforming from a small cable company to a full-service telecommunications company. It really was the little engine that could. It was up against some really big players in the marketplace, and but they crafted a narrative that emboldened employees to believe in the power of one where every single employee could make a difference with each customer, building meaning around the mission of the organization and creating lasting relationships within the communities that we served at that time. In fact, being a part of the community was, was really important because your neighbor had cots and you could help them if they had a problem. So transformational change occurred during that bubble burst and the organization saw no layoffs which were rampant in technology companies at that time, and they saw significant growth. Wow, I was part of that. And, mm -hmm. you know, leaders who have a vision and the position power to influence culture can do just about anything they set out to do, regardless of the forces opposing them, economic forces, marketplace, talent shortages. It's, and that's a, a story that, that validates that. Mm -hmm. You also have a great story about a courageous CEO during an extremely difficult time. Can you tell us that story and how his courage paid off? Sure. It's probably one of my favorite CEO stories. Um, great person. Um, and the way that he handled this situation was amazing. Um, this, this client's company was newly purchased by a private equity firm with, in this this person was the new CEO and the company had its sights on significant growth to match its purchasing power that it now had. And its focus was on building a winning senior leadership team, targeted strategic growth, employee engagement and talent development. And they were really poised for success. They had all those pieces in place. And then when the global market conditions caused sales to plummet, and the cost of doing business was at, a, at an all-time high, the drastic decision to file for bankruptcy was inevitable. And the company came through that highly charged time because they had loyal employees and customers, and they had a strong brand identity because of that new CEO. And they're still thriving today, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think you know was the most beautiful part of this story is from the beginning, the CEO walked his talk and lived his values, even when things were hard. And during that 
bankruptcy, he shared everything that he could about the bankruptcy filing in quarterly all-employee town hall meetings and never, never held back unless he, you know, he held back not to cross a legal threshold. Um, he was a crier and he cried in one of those town hall meetings when vendors, and he said, we have vendors who won't be paid or paid less and they're friends of ours and people who have worked hard to help us succeed. And some of those people own small businesses and their families will be impacted by this decision. And he said, I'm devastated, devastated that this is our only option. And in another town hall, further on down the line when bankruptcy was being finalized, he stood on that principle of honesty and told everyone, it's always advised that you don't scare people by letting them know that there will be layoffs. But I believe that you have a right to know that there will be layoffs in non-revenue generating departments. And I want, to, I want you to hear that from me. Laura, you were there when he announced the layoffs to HR. What did he say? Yeah, so when the HR team was one of those teams that was faced with layoffs and restructuring, and he was invited to come and talk to the team personally about the why of his decision, and he didn't take but a second to say yes and brought his heart and not his notes. He didn't come in with prepared notes to that meeting, and he told the team, you are some of the best HR people I've ever worked with, and this isn't about your talent or your capability or about your contributions to this organization. That's never been in question. But right now, we need to put our resources into growing this business. And as I said in the town hall, departments like yours are impacted by layoffs. And I want you to do the work that has the greatest impact. And that is the work that you directly do to support employees. And he, he told us that we, he was eliminating senior leadership positions as well as a few other roles. And um, he talked about how there would be opportunities to move into other functions. And what I love the most about what he did is that he took personal responsibility for helping people through that transition, opening his door and letting them know that he would continue to talk with them one-on-one -on -one or in team meetings if they needed it. It was amazing. Wow. He sounds like a very unique CEO, and I can understand why he's made a lasting impact on you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've talked about courage in this segment, and it we say this is one of the qualities that leaders need now, but he not only demonstrated courage, he demonstrated compassion, um, which we talked about in our last, uh, our last segments. What do you think lead listeners could take from his story? You know, I think that courage is acting in the face of fear. You know, I think that, um, and when we act on that courage, we gain awareness of the entire spectrum of who we are, our values, our beliefs, our principles, so that we can be ourselves and bring our greatest gifts. I was really thinking about that as we were getting ready for this podcast about the importance of that authenticity and being ourselves, because I don't think everybody, it's not a script that he followed to bring himself to that situation. He brought himself and not everybody would do it the same way. 
So we can know that we're being our, our authentic selves when we're living true into that. And we, I think we can better, I think what we can learn from his story is that we'll be better able to transform our or organizations that we serve with new approaches and ideas. Um, I also think that our compassionate leadership, like you said, ensures trust and inclusion and encourages new thoughts. And when those two things are combined together, courageous and compassionate leaders enhance resilience in other people and they foster transformational change. It occurs to me that it takes courage to bring yourself to the conversation. And, and I will leave I will leave it at that thought. Um, thank you for the stories, Laura. Thank you to all the leaders who are demonstrating courage every day. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. Our next podcast will feature the third of the three qualities leaders need now, humility. You can subscribe to our podcast at whatleadersneednow.com.